Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 12 of the Hell Ming Power Hour. That's right. Number 12. I think that's right. Is that right? Yep, it's number 12. Yes! Right after number number 11. (laughs) I'm Rick, one of your hosts here, and I'm here with the only man I know that has nightmares and puppet flashbacks, Mr. Danny Bennett. It's true, and I'm glad to finally have that out in the open. Uh, It's something I've struggled with for years, and I've been hoping that it wouldn't come out as a desperately dangerous secret to my political career. But now it's out there. Nightmares, puppets, it's all me. And it couldn't be more appropriate for this weekend's episode because coming out, we're about to do The Howling and The Howling 2, which features both the stuff of nightmares, including a very, very cute werewolf, and also puppets. That's right. It, and, and Christopher every, Lee. And everything in between, man. Christopher Lee, Sybil Danning, D. Wallace. Reb Brown. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Captain Kangaroo. Uh, we get a visit from Randy Newman. <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic is going to be here. <laughs> Osmosis the Jones. The last action hero. <laughs> Osmosis Jones. Yeah, Chris Rock. The Waverly Brothers. I mean, we're going to have just about everybody, and Major the people Payne. that we don't have, we're going to make sure to bring in later, and we're just going to add, like, sound bites and pictures. It's going to be an extravaganza of The Eliminators. <laughs> the Eliminators, the Cyborg, the Ninja, the Swamp Rat, and Denise Craddock. Denise Craddock. Denise Crosby, not Denise Craddock. Who's Denise Craddock? I don't know. Your mom, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that's not my mom that's not my mom okay all right so yeah we'll be right back with the awesome awesome guest that we're having today from kruger nation mr johnny krug we'll be right back we'll, ah! <laughs> we'll be right back hi ho kermit the frog here with our very special guest star the hail ming power hour yay Okie dokie, everybody. Glad that you're with us. Man, we're going to have a blast with this show, no doubt about it, because we have the awesome Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation joining our show, man. And this guy is absolutely awesome. You might have known him from, if you've seen the pictures from, or also the audio for the commercial for that incredible group, Meatloaf Craven. (laughs) And uh, so we got to hang out with Johnny in in Texas and... uh, Just a super cool dude, man, and uh, just a joy to hang out with. We actually won some prizes together, too, so that's awesome. But, uh, 
Everybody, welcome to the show, Mr. Johnny Krug. Here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, man. Hey, what's up? <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, man. We've been talking about this for a while, even before we got to Texas. And uh, and getting to meet you face-to-face just made us realize, yeah, man, we, we got to get with this guy. And uh, Danny's on here, too, if you didn't know it. It's just like when we're in the recording studios, Meatloaf Craven, and I'm trying to get my tambourine in, and he, all he does is shred on the guitar, uh, just waiting for my turn, you know? <laughs> Shut up, kids. <laughs> Shut up, Linda. You need all a right. double handy. You need a, you need a tambourine and a maraca. Hell yeah. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. A tamaraca. So uh, we are both big fans of Johnny's show. He's got a show called Kruger Nation. And I'm telling you, folks, if you're a horror fan or a exploitation fan, this is the show, man. We took a lot of ideas from his show without him knowing about it. But we fessed up. We said, yeah, man, we kind of stole this from you. But uh, it's a fantastic show. Johnny, just tell us about yourself, man. Uh, well, I mean, I've been podcasting. Uh, I started on YouTube <laughs> in uh, like 2008 or seven around there. And uh, uh, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have heard of Cadaver Lab. It was a big horror podcast back in like back in the day and uh, their their host their co-host uh, Sam left the show and uh, I was invited on from my YouTube channel they invited me to actually co-host Cadaver Lab so that's where I started podcasting and from there it's been just <laughs> I went from there to Cinema Corpse to uh, Kruger Nation and I've, I've just I just jump around a lot I mean I do my own show um, and I love I mean I, I love doing my show and I, I, I want to bring it back pretty strong uh, but uh, I always I can always make time for guest spots because I, I love talking to other people. <laughs> My right. show is a one man show, so you know talking to yourself for an hour is kind of different than actually being able to communicate with somebody. Right, and actually that's what's impressive about it is you know most shows you get two or three people, and just like we're doing now talking over each other, uh, Johnny's putting this thing together by himself, and it's really impressive that one person can do that. I couldn't do it. There's no doubt about it. I just couldn't do it by myself. I, I didn't think I could do it. I mean, that's the thing is I, I didn't think I could do it. And uh, after the first few episodes, people were like, hey, we're liking it. So I just kept doing it. I mean, me, myself, I don't know if I can listen to one of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> but but other people seem to enjoy it. So that's all that matters, I guess. Well, I will say that uh, Duncan McLeish actually said himself that uh, Johnny Krug is the rock star of podcasters. How about that? That's that's yeah. pretty awesome, especially coming from Duncan. Yeah. Well, considering yeah, Duncan's you know keyboard solos, you know, put him pretty high up on the rock and roll cred. Booming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just man. waiting for Duncan to uh, switch from that um, stationary keyboard to the keytar. Yes. Yeah. We got to get that going. I think there's actually a picture of him floating around of him with one. That's really. Yeah. Unless he has a necktie tied around his head like a headband, I, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a different degree of awesomeness, man. When you get the guitar and the headband, look out, man. That's some J.J. Abrams kind of crap. <laughs> get some lens flares in there. Lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> I, and now, I think from now on, I mean, Duncan, hopefully he'll hear this, but I think from now on, every picture he posts of himself should have a little bit of lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be yeah. awesome. Uh, I, I might can re- arrange that. I'll just sneak his pictures off and replace them with a little flare in them. <laughs> be awesome. All right, man, let's man. get to it. Let's get into this movie. First movie we're going to talk about, Howling, 1981. And to give us <laughs> to give us a synopsis, I hope you're ready for this, Johnny. We got uh, our favorite uh, musician, songwriter, 
Randy Newman. <laughs> Hi, I'm Randy Newman. And they asked me to come tell you about this little song. It's called The Howling. It came out back in 1981. And they say it's a horror movie. Boy, I love them horror movies, boy. The song goes like this. After the rebels have been brutally overpowered by the Empire on their new werewolf planet, lycanthrope Skywalker takes advanced crochet training with Scott Bayo. It is also directed by Spike Lee and stars Eddie Murphy and Shaka Khan. Werewolves all over the place Trying to get in your face Better get back to Scott Bayo's place Well, that's the place to be A werewolf with lightsabers Then that's cool, man You gotta like Spike Lee You gotta like Spike Lee <laughs> hey, hey, guys! A- after hearing that, I think I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I watched the same one either. <laughs> but I will say this: um, <laughs> I, I can't even I can't even stop laughing. Um, can we get Randy Newman to do every synopsis for eternity for like every movie? I would love to hear him do like I spit on your grave or like ET, just anything. <laughs> I tell you what, you get your show back up and running. That will happen. Oh, okay. There's, there's your incentive right there. That's promise that is, is pl- plenty incentive. Holy crap! <laughs> uh, I just sent one to Duncan too. They're doing Rob Zombie's Halloween one and two coming up, and well, I sent I sent him one of Randy Newman singing about both songs or both movies, and <laughs> he was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that is so awesome, man!" So, um. I love the Randy Newman man. I love the uh, post-apocalyptic werewolf theme because <laughs> this movie is like anything but that, but it, that sounds like a better movie almost. Well, I, I I just took Empire Strikes Back and put Scott Bayo in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Leia loves Chachi. <laughs> or Chewie loves Chachi. That'd be awesome. Chewie loves Chachi. Oh man, we just we just made a groundbreaker right there. All right, let's, <laughs> all right, let's maybe, get let's maybe that ground should stay intact. <laughs> so I'm thinking. Yeah. All right, Danny, you know I always pick on you, man, because you're the smartest one in the bunch. Why do we watch The Howling? All right, well, so The Howling. I'm gonna give this a personal note. Uh, normally, I give kind of a, a reason for new people who have never seen this movie to watch the movie. Well, what I'm gonna say is this: this movie affected me so much when I was a kid and it came out. In in 81, I would have been six. Right. So I'm sure I saw it later. I mean, I just didn't see it when I was six. But around 10 or 11 years old, I had a series of nightmares. And when I started watching this movie to, to remind myself of it, I realized that those nightmares were directly from The Howling. Wow. Yeah, I, I had a dream where I was in a cabin being attacked by werewolves from all sides. The werewolves looked just like werewolves in The Howling. They were a little bit off. They weren't quite the same as werewolves in other movies. Um, and it was a series of nightmares. I had them over a, a series of weeks where I would wake up thankful that it was just a dream. And, and it, was all, it was all that cabin that she goes to in The Howling, the colony. 
There you go. Thanks, Joe Dante. Appreciate that, buddy. You scarred my friend for life. I, yeah. I've always had a nightmare about having Christopher Stone's mustache, but <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, this was one of those movies that uh, it always gets compared to American Werewolf in London, and I love both movies, but when I like, I had always heard so much hype around American Werewolf, but nothing around The Howling when I was right. young. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I like that movie. It's a good werewolf movie. But when I saw this, like Danny said, it, it really affected me. Like this movie, people say this movie has comedic elements, but besides Dick Miller, I don't see any comedy in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty it's pretty brutal for a werewolf movie. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, and and I always thought that was weird too because uh, I guess maybe in a party type setting maybe it's a crowd rouser i don't know i've never understood the comedy part of it either maybe Uh, i mean i mean maybe because it's joe dante too because i know his movies have a little bit of he comes from the corman family so um it's got a lot of schlock and a lot of camp but this movie i lacks all of that i mean yeah this this is i mean (laughs) see american werewolf when i saw it I, i got the comedy and i got all that but this one i was like uh that's the reason this movie like i think it's a legitimately scary werewolf movie Yep, I agree. I think it is a a straight up werewolf movie, and 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 we'll talk about the other one here in a little bit. But as far as what Danny was saying too, I remember just seeing the trailer for this on TV. I was eleven at the time, and the trailer was the same way with me. It just it floored me, and I still have a visual in my head of seeing that on TV and going, "Oh my gosh, this is you know so scary looking." And of course, you've got the mouth coming through the wall with the the claws coming down. I mean, what an image, man! It's 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 you know. To me, it's iconic, and those images to me probably are greater than the actual movie is, but the movie's great for the time that it came out and the budget they had. It's great. Um, it holds up. It, re- it really does. And, of course, you know, Rob Bottee, man, what can you say? Th- those effects, you know, you, you had Rick Baker doing his thing over on the other side, but, you know, to me, the Bottee werewolf is still what we think of when we think of a werewolf, the, the one that stands upright with the long legs in the back. And uh, this is the first time you really saw that. And, uh, well, great and you know, I was, when I was reading on this, I, I noticed that, uh, that Rick Baker had been working with them. And I then he got, he got pulled away to go work on American Werewolf. Yeah. The, the fact that they, they, they took that hit and they still had such an effects-heavy movie. They didn't, like, you know, lower the, the bar because they lost Rick Baker. Right. You know, that, that's pretty amazing. And, and I want to say the movie is just so visceral. You know, the connection of horror and sex in this movie is probably one of the things that, that you know, that affected me. Because you, know, you think you're 11 years old, you're watching this. It takes the, the sex and it makes it something frightening and, and even more foreign. And so, you know, it's got that, that whole effect on your brain. I, I think for kids especially, like kids watching The Howling end up messed well, up. I will say this about this movie. I mean, especially when you compare this to other Dante movies. Joe Dante has never had a grittier movie than this. That the opening at the the uh, the peep show and the film that she's being forced to watch, right? It, it, it is disturbingly yeah. like gritty. It's, it's like it's Last just, House on the Left looking kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes, and 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 that's. I mean, it's kind of uh, like kind of leaning on what Danny was saying. Was I mean, this movie is very visceral that way. I mean, it's. It's just, I mean, this this is probably, I mean, my favorite movie of all time is The Burbs, so I can't say this is, like, my favorite Dante movie, but this is definitely one of his standout movies as far as, like, just not like the rest. <laughs> like, right. one of these things is not like the other. So, another reason I got, I like the newscaster that's in the bathroom practicing his parts. 
And he's using his radio voice. And then when he walks away, he's like, hey, man, she sure is doing it. It's like my voice all of a sudden. You know, the guy switches to. And uh, I just, I guess it may be part of the comedic part of it, but I just love that. You know, that scene in particular, I think, is great. And what a great way to introduce plot points, too. Like, he's in there reading the script about her going on this this sting operation for the the serial killer, um, Quist. And, you know, he's, he's doing plot explanation, too. It introduces a character. It's a it's a point where another character is introduced. It's a little bit humorous, and it also explains some of the story in a way that doesn't take you out of the story. Well, yeah, and I wanted to say the the you know, the smiley faced killer, um, Eddie Quist. Right. You know the, how many times has that trope been used? The the whole killer with the 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 signature that he puts everywhere. You know, and and uh, he's just a, a a loner, and and he's and he's Robert Picardo too. Exactly. I was about to say. Think I love about him as an actor. He is a fantastic <laughs> actor. Yeah, we just did Inner Space a few weeks ago, and just about everybody Dante. everybody in Inner Space is pretty much in this movie. <laughs> Um, you know what you were saying earlier about the guy rehearsing his lines, and that was what I, I remember what I was going to say. I love after her trauma with Eddie, when <laughs> she's back in there, she kind of just freezes up on camera. <laughs> that dude, when they pan over to him, looks so angry that she's not <laughs> that she's just flub, flubbing her, her airtime. I mean, I've never seen an angrier-looking person in my life. <laughs> and you match him with uh, Kevin McCarthy there in the back. You know, oh man, I love Kevin McCarthy. Like he's he's one of those people that he always plays a pretty despicable character, but you you can't help but love the dude. And apparently, in real life, he was like the sweetest dude ever. But he always played a bad dude. This may have been the nicest he's ever been in a movie. (laughs) You can intersplice parts of this movie with Gremlins because it has really the same kind of look about it. Have you ever noticed that? Oh. Oh, yeah, but well, I mean, like, like again, I'm going to go back to Dante because there are certain camera shots and certain ways he he like frames things that are, are very much like a lot of his films. Because I thought the same thing about I thought Gremlins, right. I thought I thought um, Piranha, like just a lot oh, yeah. of the shots. He has a lot of like um, I don't want to say crane shots, but a lot of shots coming from above, like kind of lowering down onto people that are you know like lower in the scene. And, and I, I like that because usually you see a director like Michael Bay or somebody do that. And I, I hate bringing up Michael Bay, but you yeah. see somebody do that. And usually a crane shot or a, or a descending shot is usually from really high, but Dante does it almost like two feet above their head. And I like that. I mean, that's my uh, cinematography nerd coming out. <laughs> All right, another reason I've got to watch this crazy movie. This is just a public service announcement from Helming. If you go to an island or a resort and they're having a night barbecue with John Carradine sitting there, don't go. Because it's only going to be a bad thing. Well, he's babbling incoherently, too, almost. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, but, you know, the perfect time to have a a barbecue is, you know, like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, something's up. Well, what about Slim Pickens over there? Slim freaking Pickens. It's on my notes. Yeah, he's right there at the midnight barbecue. Hey there, how are you? <laughs> I don't say anything like Slim Pickens. <laughs> yeah, you sounded like Igor or something. <laughs> it was a. <laughs> I'm Slim Pickens. <laughs> I love that. That's that's the new Slim Pickens though. <laughs> Better than the old Slim Pickens. Oh, oh yeah. And then you get, you know what though? Once they get, once they get there to the uh, the resort, I think <laughs> there aren't a lot of people that aren't creeps. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole place is nuts, man. And of course, when you got you know a lady, the the hot woman over there is just like Sacagawea mixed with Elvira. Uh, <laughs> it's just some weird stuff going on, man. 
Well, you know, I, I mean, maybe it's my 2016 um, train of thought thinking, but in 1981, I don't know. I still, maybe it's just me thinking nowadays, but when you go to drink some punch that somebody's serving to you and you say, what's in it? And they just say, just drink it. I'm not drinking it. <laughs> you can tell me what's in the damn thing. Yeah, is Bill Cosby around? That's probably not a good idea. Exactly. He's like, right here, we got the werewolves and the <laughs> <laughs> What's the button bops with the werewolves? Uh, she, gonna... she got attacked by a St. Bernard and now a werewolf. Here's okay. another reason to watch The Howling. D. Wallace. <laughs> Enough said. Oh, yeah. It's D. Wallace. Uh, okay. Man. You say D. Wallace. I love D. Wallace. Um, I think she's fantastic. But what do you guys think about D. Wallace on the tennis court? Because oh my God, she those shorts were painted on, dude. Yeah, they were. Oh, they were eighty shorts. <laughs> the crowd likes it. That was my favorite part of the movie. I mean, no, that's I mean not honestly, but she, that's the best she looked in this movie when she was out there playing tennis. I mean. It was uh, it was weird too because the whole movie she dressed pretty modestly and then all of a sudden in this tennis scene she's like, I mean she's just coming out like full force. <laughs> and she's making up for lost time. Yeah, I love me some D Wallace. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean she's just we grew up with her, man. She's been in so many things we grew up with. Uh, she was the mom on ET. I mean you just you just grew up with her. I, I think my next reason, um, and this is kind of a, I don't know, I, I say it's kind of a minor reason, but at the same time it's also what makes. Roger Corman and Joe Dante movies so amazing is Dick Miller. Uh, I <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, Dick Miller, I mean, he's only in two scenes in this entire movie. And he he and funny enough, he plays his character from Bucket of Blood, Walter Paisley. Right. Which uh I didn't know until I saw the credits, but um he plays this guy who runs this like occult religious bookstore and he's so quirky and just he, he's just being himself pretty much and uh Oh my God. He's like, if you want a book on it, I've got any book on any subject. And he's sitting there harassing people who are just kind of browsing through cards and things. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, the, the man's working and he's on top of this sliding ladder. And instead of coming down and greeting people, he's asking the dude to slide him down to another section. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's a cab driver in inner space. We had to mention him there too. I mean, he's right. just, He's just the hardest working man in Hollywood. That guy was in every movie in the 80s. And really, he, yeah. He always nailed that character part, too. That, that's the thing is, like, Dick Miller, I mean, most most people, uh, like, they know his face and stuff. But the funny thing about Dick Miller is he's in, like, five minutes of most movies. If you, Aside from, like, you know, Bucket of Blood and Little Shop of Horrors kind of stuff. And to make that kind of an impact, man, you've got to work. You've, he, he's worked his butt off. I mean, just to be in such little parts in all these movies. Right. Yeah, he's just uh, again. It's just you grew up seeing him and everything. And uh, this is probably my my favorite character because just like they said, well, do you believe in all this stuff? He's like, look, I'm selling stuff here. You want a book? There's a book over there. <laughs> you know, it's just great. <laughs> I love the whole thing. Like, I mean, a lot of people would call it kind of a cheap foreshadowing, or uh, you know, but I love the idea that he, you know, he had a customer come in and pre-order a box of silver bullets and just never pick them up. Right. And just randomly. <laughs> like, yeah. I love it. I mean, obviously it's like, that's going to come into play later, but it's just so cool. Cause it's like, it's just kind of nonchalant. He's like, I even got silver bullets here. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason to watch this movie, you get some werewolf getting nasty time. <laughs> yeah. It's not for the kids, but really 
I mean, this is the first movie I can think of where you saw some werewolves getting it on. And, uh, yeah. and it's well, not- I mean, and it, it turns to a cartoon shortly after, so it's kind of kiddish. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> it's for the kids. It's educational. I, I, I have it right here in my notes, werewolf sex. I mean, you know, there's you just don't <laughs> get that in every movie. Yeah, that's all it says, werewolf sex. And what's, what's the deal with crazy fur coat guy? You know, when they're all hunting and stuff, and the guy's running around, he's wearing the full coat like he's Grizzly Adams or something. Is that is that McNee? Is that the uh, the the psychologist? He's wearing no, a fur no. coat. No, 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 no. It's it's, the, it's um her brother. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. His name is TC. Or uh, the funny thing about him is is you know there are a lot of times in these movies where you could like obviously throw up a red flag, but I think when you go on a hunting trip. And they're using a, a human as a, uh, as a hound. <laughs> That's probably the biggest red flag. Because <laughs> they're like, no, we don't need a dog. We have TC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep him on a leash for sure. <laughs> Wait, so that wasn't Slim Pickens? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hi, I'm Slim Pickens. Well, that's why I thought Slim Pickens. I was like, that guy must be Slim Pickens. I, I'm not familiar with oh, what he Slim looks Pickens like. Slim Pickens is older. Slim yeah, Pickens older. is the cop. He's yeah. the sheriff. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, the Peter Lorre thing had no bearing whatsoever. Then, well, I'm glad you joined. The, <laughs> glad you joined the game. I think just so you guys know though, now. I mean, because I was picturing Slim Pickens with the Igor voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another reason to watch this. And again, we talked about the effects a while ago, but the whole transformation is incredible. There's some shots of it that it lingers on a little too long, but overall, this was super groundbreaking at the time. It looks fantastic. And the line that's delivered the second time around is, you know, the whole, uh, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. That's just awesome. You know, one thing about the special effects in this movie that, that makes me laugh every time is, um, and not for the effects themselves, because like I, like we were saying, they're pretty masterful and awesome. But the scene where um, her friend's in there and Eddie's turning into the werewolf for like, you know, 29 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's doing this big transformation as this big buildup. And then as soon as he's done, she throws the acid on him and then the scene's over. Right. (laughs) It's like he did all that for nothing. (laughs) Also during that transformation, if you watch it again and listen to the music, it sounds like music from like a Sinbad movie or like a swashbuckling thing. It's just the weirdest juxtaposition with the music. It's like, it's like, what? (laughs) Oh, Sinbad. I thought you were talking about like house guest or something. Not that kind of said bad movie. Jingle all the way. <laughs> what about her friend, you know, who's like the Julie Haggerty of 1981 or whatever? Right. Like, like I know I know it wasn't Julie Haggerty. I've seen her in other stuff. I looked her up. Belinda Belaski. I know she's in a ton of stuff. Right. But like her and the other guy, they're kind of like the, the interns from Matlock or something. <laughs> you know, it's like there's this subplot going on where they're, they're always like perusing. Like they go to the bookstore. They go to the, the the records and they're finding stuff out. Oh, she will need to know this. It's like, where are you people? You're on the same movie. <laughs> well, they're really quick to buy into the the werewolf lore, especially the girl. I mean, she. I mean, she pretty much hits the ground running as soon as uh, werewolf is even suggested. She's the guy's, got a thing. The, yeah, the guy's skeptical. I mean, but uh, he comes around. <laughs> well, he, he drives an RX seven. What do you expect, right? I love. That's another reason to watch this movie is to see. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm maybe stepping out of place here, but uh, just to see um, the way society held Mazdas to such a high level back in the 80s. Right. 
The guy's like, not everybody can drive a Mazda. <laughs> Very true. And uh, I think it's still that way. I don't know. They're on the, they're on the upswing. Oh, are yeah, they? <laughs> yeah, sure they are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So just for you people out there who have never seen The Howling, I'm going to break this down for you in a minute. And I've been collecting all of these reasons to watch the movie. Firstly, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background. We, we've talked about a lot of the plot, but we haven't actually illustrated the plot. And I'm going to do that in a nutshell. So our main character, Dee Wallace, is a reporter. We start out, she's been caught up in a relationship with a serial killer who has asked her to meet him in this porn booth. Shit goes crazy, and he turns into a werewolf in the porn booth. It, it messes her up so much that she gets amnesia. Then her, her very helpful psychologist says, why don't you go to this place with all these other people who have you know me- mental problems and... Uh, and work it out. It's called The Colony, right? So that's where we are right now. We're at The Colony, which, you know, spoiler alert, it's full of werewolves. But reasons to watch this movie so far, it gave me nightmares as a kid. And not just nightmares like, oh, I had nightmares. Nightmares about the movie. Um, and Rick also, just from watching the trailer, was messed up for life. Still messed up today. Yeah. Um, it's underrated, you know, there's a werewolf connection to American Werewolf in London, but this one kind of gets uh, swept under the rug. So you're going to watch it and you're going to see something other people have not been paying attention to. It's legitimately scary and it's visceral. It mixes, it mixes horror with sex and it does it in a way that really kind of kind of resonates in that horror portion of your brain. So it's disturbing and gritty for Joe Dante. There's a midnight barbecue, so you know, beware if you ever go to a place midnight barbecue. Bad news. There's Slim Pickens, who I miss, um, uh, which I misidentified as a guy wearing a fur vest. Master, master, I'm exactly. Slim Pickens. I'll tell you right now. If you ask somebody, "Hey, what does Slim Pickens look like?" and then you showed them a picture of this guy who looked kind of like a skinny Tom Petty wearing a fur vest, you might think, "Hey, that guy looks like Slim Pickens. He looks like he's been living on Slim Pickens." Anyway, <laughs> Dee Wallace in her tennis shorts. Can we get an applause on that one? Heck yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Then I got four more points. The four points to get us up to speed. Dick Miller as the occult bookstore owner. Is definitely worth a watch for his scene. Werewolf sex. Yeah, need I say more on that one? <laughs> Transformation scenes. The effects are still really solid, even though they lost Rick Baker. They're fantastic, and they're scary. They, they legitimately bring you there. And also the Mazda RX-7. You know who Rob Bottin is, right? No, no. Remember that movie called The Thing? Yeah. He did the effects on that, too. Nice. Which, I mean, that was, what, the year after this? Right. And, oh, my God, the effects on the thing are just incredible. Right. I mean, this is, this guy is, <laughs> I mean, you don't get, I mean, that's, that's, this is the reason why I can hold up an argument against CGI is because of people like him. <laughs> right. You're exactly <laughs> just, right. Just go look at his work. Who really didn't even have much of a career into the effects at this point. He just kind of jumped in and said, yeah, I can do that. So he's, he's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like Lucio Fulci. Yeah, I can make a zombie movie. No problem. Well, here's here's an argument against CGI. Werewolf movies in general are an argument against CGI. How many werewolf movies that use yeah. CGI effects 
are actually even talked about. Do you remember American Werewolf in Paris? Oh. See? <laughs> I rest my case. They look like PlayStation 1 graphics in that movie. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible, because, terrible. Because there's just something real about something being real. This movie to me is, especially now, like back in the day, it was more of a horror movie. Watching it now, it's kind of like a, uh, almost like a, like a lifetime drama with werewolves. <laughs> I mean, and that's, I mean, not in an insulting way. I say that in like with, you know, it's got the domestic violence angle, the cheating man angle, um, you know, the woman that's, that's overcoming her, her, uh, her issues and stuff. Um, but man, once those werewolves kick in, dude, it's like, right. it's all over. <laughs> well, to me, it's the best way to kind of sell this thing is saying, Hey, if you like gremlins, you're going to like this movie. Cause it's got the same kind of feel, same kind of shots, same kind of cinematography. But you know, when the werewolves kick in, they're a little, you know, a little scarier than, than gizmo. <laughs> well, I, I think that, I think Johnny makes an excellent point. And saying that it's not just a werewolf movie. It's got a lot of werewolves in it, and it has a lot of werewolf plot. But the characters aren't just there to be harrowed by the werewolves. They're they're there because they have legitimate reasons in their life. And it just so happens that those reasons kind of fade away when the real mortal peril of being in a whole place full of werewolves occurs. Right. So I mean, you know, and we talked about this too with Duncan when we talked about Outland. You know, there there's a point in the seventies and the early 80s when movies are being made as a story piece, you know, like I think Jaws, you've got lots of characters who have interactions, and then there's the movie has a, a plot that occurs to those people. Yeah, and all, oh, okay, there also happens to be a shark. Yeah, right. I right. Get that. But then you look at like Dog Soldiers, which is also an excellent werewolf movie, yeah. but it's the epitome of, of what it's become. You know, the genre has taken over the movie. You don't really know who those people are. You just know, okay, well, now they're going to fight a bunch of werewolves. There's a little backstory to them, but it's nothing like this. You know, they don't run into a serial killer. They're not reporters with, with interaction there. And, and I also want to say before this is done, just in case we don't miss it, that final scene where she turns into a werewolf on the news. <laughs> I mean, you know, th there's something about horror movies to me that, that leads me to kind of think, they need to be private, you know, you know like the, the, the protagonist goes, no, really, this happened to me, and nobody believes them. That's always an element of it. And in that way, the horror kind of stays personal to that person. It doesn't become part of the world. Right. And when she transformed on the news, yeah. well, that, that's huge. Yeah, especially that she turned into an Ewok. Oh, I was well, thinking you know. Nancy Grace. <laughs> she turned into Nancy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> but she was so mean. <laughs> They were like, what would Dee Wallace look like as a, as a werewolf? Oh, she'd be adorable. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like, every time they show a werewolf, they're, like, gross and just, like, these just really, I mean, they're really grotesque-looking creatures. And then she looks just adorbs. Right. <laughs> like, you just want to pet her head and make her like she's, a kick. She's like a little werewolf Pomeranian. And then they just blow her away anyways, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, cute or no, she's got to go. <laughs> All right. Let's give this thing a rating, man. Uh, I'm going to give it uh, 12 Dick Millers on stepladders. I'm going to go ahead and give it 50 uh, D. Wallace's and little tiny jean shorts. Yeah, I, I set you up for that one because I didn't want to take the D. Wallace thing away from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, in <clears throat> in deference to our, our tremendous and uh, incredible guest, I'm going to give it 37 sets of werewolf titties. 
Wyoming. Nice. 37, because one of them was from Mars. So, uh, Brian Blessed, what do you think of the howling? What is this? Madness! Oh, he must not have cared for it too much. Well, you know, he's more of a classic actor. Well, you know. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, my name's Carl, Carl Childers. And I reckon I'm going to do this here IMDb reading for you. Mm-hmm. This here movie's called The Howling. It must be some kind of horror film or something like that. Mm-hmm. It came out about 1981. I reckon that's when I was in prison. I don't quite rightly remember seeing this film. It is a horror film. It's about an hour and 31 minutes long. About an hour and a half if you ain't got nothing to do. It's a good little thing you might want to check out. This movie got a 6.6 rating. About 22,420 people done seen it. Mm-hmm. It's rated R, so you might not want your kids watching it. It stars Dee Wallace. I like to I like to hear her talk. She stars as Karen White in this film. Patrick McNee is George Wagner. Dennis Dugan is Chris Hollerin. Even John Carradine's in this here. Mm-hmm. John had them two boys, you know, David. He didn't mess around one night and hung himself in a closet, but that's about all I can say about that. His other boy, Robert, well, he's some kind of a nerd, best I can figure out, but I, I don't rightly know. Slim Pickens, Slim's also in this movie. Me and him had some French fried potatoes one time. Mm-hmm. This movie's about a red light district. Some people call it a red light district. Other people call it whorehouse. Well, this newswoman, Karen White, she's bugged by the police. She's investigating a serial killer named Eddie Quist. He's been molesting her through some telephone calls. Well, after the police find him in a peep show cabin, they shoot Eddie. They had to call a hearst. Karen becomes emotionally disturbed and loses her memory. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to conquer her inner demons. She heads for the colony. It's a secluded retreat there where creeper residents are rather too eager to make her feel at home. There also seems to be a bizarre connection there between Eddie Quist and their supposedly safe haven. After nights being tormented there by them unearthly cries, Karen ventures off into the forest there. Mm-hmm. She makes a terrifying discovery. Some creatures straight out of Hades. Well, I reckon that's about all I can say about that. I'm going to go get me some potted meat if I got any extra. Howdy. I'm Slim Pickens. And I'm here so you don't forget the 14th annual Slim Pickens Midnight Barbecue. And there's enough fun and vittles for your whole family. And plenty of fun for the kids when they get involved in the traditional stoning of John Carradine. Your eyes will light up with delight while they throw the rocks at old John. Also, you can even get your picture made with our own Indian Elvira. Or myself, Slim Pickens. So what about the adults? Well, plenty. You got Hunch Punch, some banjo playing, and the best literally man-made barbecue around. Party starts at midnight and lasts until John Carradine brings it to a halt 
when he tries to throw himself in a bonfire and burn to death. It's gonna be a hoot. See you there. That's the Slim Pickens Barbecue. From midnight till dawn. All right, we're back for the second round. This is The Howling 2. And before people start going boo and all that kind of stuff, let me just say, this movie has a lot of things the first one doesn't have. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about it. There's no Joe Dante. There's no Rob Rob Bottin. There's no D. Wallace. There's no Dick Miller. And there's definitely no Slim Pickens. (laughs) Yes. Slim Slim Pickens. (laughs) But what this movie does have... Got my drunk voice going on all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm drinking Sunkissed and I'm getting twi- tipsy. You're excited. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this stupid movie, man. But uh, yeah, what it does have Sybil Danning. That's right. Even bad acting and all, Sybil Danning. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, man. This is one of those movies I saw early on. Uh, different director, Felipe Mora who's done some just stellar some stellar work such as the beast within and don't forget that alien movie communion Instant wait is classics. that the one with with charlie shane uh that's the arrival that's the arrival yeah okay charlie, okay uh, communion is christopher walken communion you're talking about it's the schreiber novel okay yeah and also and i'm sure we'll bring him up a bunch of this you get christopher lee man come on and and johnny posted this earlier today and it just made me drop my head because Johnny posted that <laughs> this is the one-year anniversary of us losing Christopher Lee. And I immediately said, man, what a way to tribute this guy. <laughs> and been talking about his greatest achievement, The Howling 2. <laughs> Your sister is a werewolf. That's right. So to uh, – this is going to be interesting. I haven't heard this one yet. Uh, <laughs> to, to give us a synopsis for The Howling 2, here's the Beatles – Ringo Starr. Hello, this is the famous Ringo Starr, and I'm here to talk to you about one of my favorite movies. Of course, I'm talking about 1985's The Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf, or as we called it across the pond, Sturba, Werewolf Bitch. The plot goes a little something like this. After countless millennia, of watching, waiting, and stalking, the unholy creatures known as werewolves are poised to inherit the earth. <laughs> After newswoman Karen White's shocking transformation and violent death, her brother, Ben, is approached by Stephen Crosco, a mysterious gentleman who claims Karen's actually become a werewolf. You think he would have seen that on the news broadcast? But this is the least of their worries to save mankind. Stefan and Ben must travel to Transylvania to battle and destroy Sturba, the immortal queen of the werewolves, before she's returned to her full powers. It's a bit like dealing with Paul on a night where we were having trouble recording. Well, Rick and Danny take it away. Was he just reading the back of the box? Man, that just went on forever. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Thanks, Ringo, for not mentioning me. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? Well, there's a reason he wasn't an original member. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason I could play drums better than him. 
Oh, burn. <laughs> uh, all right, man. I'm going to kick this one off. <laughs> the first reason to watch this movie, and, and, and by no means is this a good movie. This is one of those so bad it's good movies. Let's just go ahead and put that out so there. So bad it's good. <laughs> I, I recommend that you check it out just for the fact. Don't watch it by yourself because you'll be like, this is a total piece of crap. But if you get about five or six people over and it's Miller time, Dick Miller, that is. <laughs> but he's not in this one. But still, if it's Miller time, throw this movie in. This movie is incredible. And the first thing you get to see when the movie opens up is Christopher Lee in space, reading with a skeleton. <laughs> no explanation. Just Christopher Lee flying through space with a skeleton behind him and reading from a book. If that doesn't say this is the most epic opening to a movie ever, I don't know what does. It's quite titillating. That's later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And well, Christopher Lee, man, I, I later he apologized for this movie, which, you know, shouldn't apologize for things that are fun like this. Sure, it didn't come together right. Sure, it has some weird 80s stuff in it, and, and it's got a, a plot that's incoherent and terrible acting. And they kind of scrimped on the special effects and the transformation scenes, which are part of what you watch a werewolf movie for. But you know what? When you watch it, it's a movie. That's right. And you'll hear something like this. Followed by this. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's like every time some guy turns around, there's a... <laughs> What's that over there? <laughs> I think I, I saw a guy doing a review of this where he said that the uh, that that Reb the the uh, her brother Ben had the acting um, range of an air horn. Oh man, Christopher Lee oh. hated working with the main characters movie to the point to where a lot of shots he wouldn't even be in the shot with him. <laughs> that guy was a horrible actor. He reminded me a lot of the Garbage Day guy from Silent Night Deadly Night Two. Garbage Day. <laughs> I just happen to have that. Awesome. Which one? The guy who says garbage day or the guy who goes, oh, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think the actual garbage day guy. Oh, man. One Go thing ahead. I really loved about this movie is um, it, you get to see Jane, the realtor from Beetlejuice, but in a whole kind of sexy, like modestly sexy. Right. Kind of. I've never seen her look like this. Uh, what's her name? Um, something McEnroe. Uh, yeah. John. Annie McEnroe. <laughs> yeah, she plays. Te- she plays tennis. <laughs> well, you know they've been doing those but, uh, kind of surgeries was, lately. So, well, you know what's weird though is is Beetlejuice came out when eighty nine, and this is eighty five, and right. I don't know if it was just makeup or what, but in Beetlejuice she looked like 10, 15 years older than she did in this. Yeah, who knows? It was just strange to me. But oh man, the scene. I, I don't want to get graphic or anything, but the the scene when they first get to Transylvania and they're they're hanging out in the hotel room, him and her. Man, that's uh, a. <laughs> Pretty steep. That's pretty steepy stuff, dude. They don't. They don't wait for anything, do they? Man, it's just like, ah, oh, we're here. Let's get it on. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like. And then the dude outside from Pee Wee Herman can smell them. Having sex. Yeah, Mickey. You know? Mickey from Pee Wee Herman's out right. there. <laughs> that made it a little bit creepy. Right. Oh, another thing. Another reason to watch this movie uh, is this. You hear the song like 50 times in the movie. 
It's, it, I mean, I don't think any movie in history has ever used a song more than that. It's like every, I don't know, three or four minutes, it just kicks back in. <laughs> Anytime there's a cut scene, it plays. Like, they're on a train, all of a sudden it starts playing. They're like... <laughs> it, it really, like, I, I honestly, 100% being... I'm being truthful. I've never heard a song more played in a movie than this one. <laughs> right. And the whole ending credits too, man. I mean, you know, they actually showing the band, I guess, I guess that's the band that's performing the song, but they got their royalties worth out of that movie, man. Cause it's the Can only I ask song. You guys in there. A question? Yeah. I have a, a question. Uh, that band, uh, <laughs> there's the scene where they're playing and the werewolves all start turning and stuff. And they're talking about how it's time to go hunting or whatever. <laughs> Was that band just like, um, were they just like werewolf friendly? Like they're they're not anti werewolf, or were they actually part of the clique? Or I don't understand because yeah. if I'm playing on stage and if if we're up there doing the meatloaf craven thing and people start turning into werewolves and yeah. stuff, I'm gonna probably freak out. That's right. It's gonna be some of this. So, yeah, man. When they were they were ultra PC before their time, man. Hey, if you're a werewolf, apparently we can dig it. Now they they were along for the ride because the werewolves, when they don't have the moon to change them, well, guess what that song is all about, yeah, right? Yeah, they got the party. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're you're saying you're saying this is basically like the werewolves, uh, 1985 safe space, like <laughs> they go hang out with the band and listen to this. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is is that it's a it's a little known fact that lycanthropy can be tripped by two things. A, the, the lunar light from a full moon, or B, a song about the full moon that's, you know, played 60 times in the span of a movie. <laughs> what song do you speak of? That'd be that one. <laughs> it's right. pretty bad in a movie like this that's even without subtitles on by the end of the film. Actually, not, I'm sorry, not even by the end of the film. <laughs> 30 minutes into the film, I know every lyric to that damn song. Exactly. <laughs> and apparently, and this is another thing I picked up on, everybody that lives in L.A. has British accents. Did y'all notice that? They did. It says City of <laughs> Angels, and then everybody's like, hello. I'd like to have a round with her. You know, and I'm like, where? Where are they at? Oh, I love the way the movie opens, though. It opens uh, Los Angeles, California, USA. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to as, as opposed yeah. to uh, Los Angeles, California, Tokyo. <laughs> uh, it's Los Angeles, California, Latvia. <laughs> and the other thing too is, <laughs> poor Christopher Lee, man. How many times can I tell you, your sister's a werewolf? <laughs> it's like, he corners him at the funeral. Yeah, man, her soul is doomed, and she's having a hard time. And get out of my face, man. I'm just trying to tell you, your sister's a werewolf. And then they go back to his house later on. It's like, so what are you trying to say, man? I'm trying to say your sister <laughs> is a werewolf. <laughs> how, how about this, Ben? I've got a videotape of your sister turning into a werewolf, and I'll show you right now. Which is Will the worst. Work? It's the worst reenactment, too, because you've seen. Oh, you, it's bad. You watch The Howling, and then you watch this one. It's like, remember you used to watch those crime dramas? They do like, this is a reenactment. This is worse than those, man. <laughs> this thing looks terrible. Looks like a little Chinese man there with some some werewolf makeup on and a dress. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like not the same, uh, like news desk. She's not wearing the same clothes. It, oh, it doesn't look the same. It's bad. It's bad. But it's so awesome, man. It's supposed to be, like, footage from the actual, like, news broadcast, and it looks like somebody did it, like, in a found footage film. It looks like it's, like, a handheld camera. Right. (laughs) It doesn't look like a news broadcast at all. They've got 58 (laughs) cameras in the studio, and it looks like it's handheld. It's just ridiculous. (laughs) And you'd think something like like someone turning into a werewolf on, on the evening news. I mean, today it would be all over the Internet, but even then, you know, somebody would have seen it. And how how about the warehouse scene, man? I mean, you talk you talk about comic gold right here. When dude gets bashed in the head with the bottle, then the dude behind him's like, "Oh, you shouldn't make him mad. He really gets nasty." And he gets hit by like a log, <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> it's hilarious. And and like the the uh, the effects at this point were limited to close up shots of a werewolf face. <laughs> Right. And like werewolf arms, like reaching out from places. I think we could do this. I think we could remake this movie yeah. with at least the same effects budget. It was pretty much like ha- uh, haunted house type effects. Well, eighties haunted house special effects. You know, just the the gorilla hand with some fake claws <laughs> attached to it. You know, it's pretty bad. But it's again, man, it's just awesome. That dude get hit by the log, man. I can watch that over and over. So, so to catch oh, yeah. us up on the plot so far, you know the plot. <laughs> Tell me. Christopher Lee comes down from space um, to to tell us about something in front of a skeleton. And uh, the brother of the character from the first Howling, who was never mentioned in the first Howling, uh, is at the funeral of the character from the first Howling, who doesn't look anything like uh, uh, D. Wallace at all. And then, um, and then they uh, end up in Europe, <laughs> Transylvania, the dark country. Well, I mean, there's a little more than that. You know, he convinces. Uh, uh, Christopher Lee, who is a werewolf hunter, right. who uses titanium because titanium. Silver, silver don't work, y'all. That's right. Um, he he tells them that you know they would have to go and defeat the master werewolf uh, in Transylvania. Right. And it, really, that's the best I got because that's <laughs> that's all he got. Really. I just <laughs> this movie. I mean, uh, I don't even know where to start on this movie. <laughs> I. I mean, part of me wants to talk about the, the beginning of the movie um, when they're, you know, burying the sister and all that or, or, or they're at the funeral. But I think it just goes off the rails once they get to the, the dark country. I mean, you have um, dwarves in the street that are uh, <laughs> summoning their, 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 their companionship and uh, plotting against uh, <laughs> Sturba. I, I, I do think one of the creepiest things in this movie <laughs> is Mickey from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think that it could be his look, but for some reason I didn't get the same vibe in Pee Wee's Big, Big Adventure that I got from him in this movie. Um, I, I like <laughs> every time there were a lot of nude women around him, and every time he just looked like a kid in a candy shop. He goes I mean, berserk. Like one would, yeah, <laughs> but. I, I like the effects of this movie, and mainly because they are just not nearly as well done as, as the first Howling. But yeah. the scene where Sturba comes to life, and you have that that digital breath like being right. transferred into her, yeah, um, like life force, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> all the way from like that kind of effect, all the way to one effect in this movie did gross me out every time it happened, and I don't know why. Maybe you guys can tell me why it grossed me out. But there was a there was an effect that they showed a lot, where when they're transforming, it looked like a bunch of daddy long legs coming out of their back, right? Like, 
it, it was their hair, but it looks so gross. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, and had, I, they had to make it thick enough that they could actually push it through there or pull it through, I guess. And, and, and I, yes. <laughs> I think that, yeah, it, also the the effects were limited to, hey, they're having sex, they're naked, so there's a lot of nude flesh. Every time we cut away and we cut back, we'll just glue more hair to their skin. Right. <laughs> Which I have it, to say, man, I mean, you if you compare the wolf werewolf sexy time from the first movie to this movie, it's a total different thing going on here, man. This one yeah. you can't even explain. It's so much to the fact that they cut back to it like three times. <laughs> uh, it's it's very animalistic in this one. Like, I mean, and that's the, the first movie it was animalistic, but it was like believable. And this one, oh, yeah. it's like they're they're like doing caricatures of what animals would look like or something. And it's, like, almost, this, and you, it's almost like you're telling yourself, yeah, I can't believe what I'm seeing right here. <laughs> well, the, and, the and, scene where Mickey and, and Sybil Danning are like necking pretty much. Right. They're, I, it's like cringeworthy the way they're like kind of biting at each other and snapping. <laughs> it's iconic. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> you will have to fast forward this movie to get from from Christopher Lee to spa- in space down to the the werewolf connection. Whatever this is yeah the werewolf connection. Hey, is I'll, it safe? <laughs> is it safe, Sybil Danning? <laughs> I want to talk about the craziness at the mausoleum, man. So Christopher Lee walks in here to stab the dude's sister with the titanium stake. <laughs> and then it just all breaks loose. There's a whole bunch of this going on. <laughs> oh, my God. My favorite part during that scene is, is once this sister comes to life and, and, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> These werewolves are very, like, unmotivated because... Because um, Jane from Beetlejuice screams, and when it cuts to her, she's just basically got like a, a werewolf, like putting it, like resting his hand on her shoulder. He's not right. even like attacking her. <laughs> well, my favorite part is when when the old guy runs out. And they go, "Don't let him get away!" And he grabs that little bitty fish net, and dudes later oh, he yeah. throws he throws that little net on him like that's going to keep him there. I was wondering why that fish net was in the church <laughs> or, or in the mausoleum. I mean, the net's probably I don't know. Three foot, three foot by three foot, <laughs> and he throws it on this guy laying on the ground like it's going to keep him, you know, quarantined or whatever. Well, we, it was also we, after they already shot him too. <laughs> what you didn't see was was when they threw the the net over him. They also went shh. shh. <laughs> That's what does it. That is fantastic. And I love but, the fact that when Christopher Lee tells him he's going to the dark country, they're like, "We're with you." 100% of the way. And the look on his face is like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to go. <laughs> well, it's well, so funny, they, too, because, like, what was it right before that, that the guy's, like, threatening to shoot Christopher Lee if he stabs his sister? Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, I'm, I'm with I'm you, with man. You behind the whole, 100% of the way. I guess he just had nothing better to do. You know, it's like, well, my sister has died, and I don't have a job. And who's the chick? Who is she? <laughs> uh, is she does he know her from somewhere? See, that's the thing that kind of confused me, too, because they, they weren't romantically involved. No, they and met it, at the funeral. It, <laughs> well, the thing is, though, like, she was good friends with the sister, but the sister worked at a, a news station, but this girl is a writer, so she writes for the... Uh, they, people say that they know her from the news, but she talks about how she's, uh, like, a, a newspaper journalist or something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, yeah. is she is she a TV personality or is she a writer? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> So I, I've got I've kind of got the Danny thing going on here. Like I said, I wrote so much stuff down. I'm just going to spit out just a bunch of things here right quick in a row, okay? Do it to it, man. All right. The werewolf sniff. <laughs> when the, <laughs> the werewolf woman gets to Transylvania and gets off and her and Mickey are sniffing each other. That's great. 
the car ride that uh, is, is uh, Christopher Lee, and he's sitting in the back seat, and she's like, seems like we're just going in circles. Well, it's because you're a woman driver, and he's just in his back just saying, kill me now. Kill he's, me he's now. He's back there, like, re- reading, <laughs> reading through, the like, the clauses on his contract. <laughs> <laughs> then you got the like, werewolf. How much more must I deal with? You got the werewolves that are traveling in a army truck for some reason, and they stop and pick <laughs> up these hitchhikers. Which these two the guys, two gay, the two gay German dudes, you're right? They're just singing "Rory, Rory, Rory" down the road, and they just pick them up and have a quick little snack. Then they go down to what I call Trent Reznor's house. <laughs> Bunch of half-dressed people with S and M clothes and all dressed in black. It just looked like Trent Reznor's place to me. Uh, I know I've been there. It seems like a lot of the the clothes the women were wearing were kind of poorly designed because it seems <laughs> like they had openings where you wouldn't want openings. Right. Well, it's like they <laughs> they made one size for everybody and just like it don't really fit on me. Yeah, I just wear it to be all right. Just like uh, <laughs> Vernon Wells with the chainmail vest, you know, it don't really right. fit, but just wear it. <laughs> uh, werewolf sexy time. We were talking about that. I love the fact that uh, that <laughs> Christopher Lee is running around killing people and nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, the old woman on the side of the road is changing. He just, you know, kills her, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. Just keep moving. Just go into town, you know. No big deal. Uh, the dissolves in this movie from scene to scene are right up there with the old Batman series. <laughs> I mean, just, you get these weird wipes and swipes and, uh, you know. It's like Battlefield Earth. <laughs> oh. Uh, how about that never-ending street party they're having? This thing goes on the whole time they're there. It's like it's just all they do. I mean, it, it, it's you know they're there for several days, and, and this party just they keeps say going to celebrate on. the full moon. Yeah, but good grief, how but, many times is he gonna have a full moon in a row? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like they're they're partying before the full moon, <laughs> and the whole so, town. Remember, remember Balky from Perfect Strangers? I think this is where Balky oh, yeah. came from because this whole town feels like a whole bunch of Balkies. Bronson Pinchot? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know his name. He was just Balky. Yeah, that's yeah. him from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. So, Balky though, I mean, like the character Balky came right. from from, from this town, yeah, quote unquote Transylvania, yeah, because they just all act like a bunch of Balkies running around. So, 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 like you guys watch more of it than I did in, in in review the the town and the the festival and stuff. Isn't it a whole lot like subspecies? Doesn't it seem a lot like the Radu thing? Like like people oh, on yeah. the street all the time, like the same village kind of right. cut scenes and well, it's probably. Oh, yeah. Well, I think this was shot in Czech, but uh, the subspecies was all Romania, I think. But you know what? What? What's the difference, right? It's like look at their idea of what L.A. is. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, America. one thing though about this movie that, um, like, there there are all these little like this movie. Like the first movie didn't have a lot of uh, jokes or anything, but this movie was kind of chock full of them. And uh, one of them that, like, to me would be pretty off-putting was when they, they check into the hotel and the guy's like, you're in room 666. And he's right. like, it doesn't look like you guys have six floors. And the guy just laughs. <laughs> like, there, there's something wrong if you're in a two-story hotel and they're putting you in room 666. <laughs> Mini commando. That little dude's bad, man. Oh. He just walks up and goes, how do you want to take care of that guy over there? He just pulls out a knife and throws it, kills the guy. Then he's jumping up and down excited because he did it, you know. It's like, that dude's bad. He's really awesome until his earplugs fall out, and then all of a sudden it turns into, like, ten minutes of, like, exploding door. <laughs> yeah, his head's going to swell and his eyes blow out. But you know what? He could have very easily just stuck his fingers in his ears. I never quite understood that. It's like, no, they were ho- blessed earplugs. Yeah, the earplugs were made from the wax of the uh, of the church candles. Right. Yeah, that makes yeah, the- perfect sense. Well, <laughs> and, they you were know, blessed, man. 
And who who knew they were going to need him, right? It was like, wow, that that was that was forethought and this, planning. This is the only movie I've seen too that has puppet flashbacks. What was that all about? <laughs> At the end, with the the guys, the thing coming out of his mouth. Well, no, just puppets in general because they're watching all the little puppet shows out on the street. And then they're cutting like close ups oh. of one like reacting to things that happened like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, man. But it's awesome. One thing about this movie that um, is, like I said, like there are some jokes that are put in there for, like, I'm sure they're put in there on purpose. Um, but then this movie does, it's like it doesn't get its tone right ever because there's the scene where <laughs> where the main girl in the movie is like walking in the moonlight with that creepy dude who's about to assault her. <laughs> and yeah, he's yeah. like, you're going to learn what it's like to be loved by a werewolf. I'm like, why is it going dark? Why is it going this dark? <laughs> and and that's the and that's Balky too, man. I mean, he he looks just like Balky, and he gets her down on the ground. Then they come pick him up, and it's just like the scene from Kentucky Fried Movie, like where they cut the guy's head off and says, "Now take him to be tortured." You know, dude's just trying to get it on. Simple Danny's been rolling around with these other werewolves, and she gets mad because he's going to attack this girl. Now take him to be disciplined. It's like what? You've been rolling <laughs> around for four days with people. You're going to get on this guy because he's just finally getting a chance. The, what about the bathtub boo? When the girl's like in the tub and she's like nesting and you get the like arresting in the tub and you get the the point of view camera that comes in and the guy just goes, boo, hi, honey, <laughs> I love you. It's like, why is that even in the movie? That sucks. You have scenes like that in, in movies of this caliber where, where the screenwriter just must have thought it would be a good idea and it's just executed so poorly. Right. You know, it's like, okay, well, in this scene, he's going to be like, boo. And it's going to be like a, maybe a jump scare or something. Yeah. But it's in the middle of the day. Yeah, and sucks. And the actors are terrible. And so it's just like, <laughs> it, it just ends up being comedically bad. I don't know if we've said this one yet or not, but uh, there's more werewolf sex at that point. <laughs> it's just nonstop in this movie, man. Then yeah, cut- some, oh, somebody sorry. was jockeying for a, for a prime real estate location on Cinemax. They're just like, you know, if we have a werewolf sex scene every 10 minutes and we got Sybil Danning on the docket so we can make we can sell this thing, you know, and and I'm, I'm sure that that's they maybe they even just did one day where they, they filmed all those and then they just like played it like successively like, OK, you know, we got three minutes of it here and then three minutes of it here and then three minutes of it here. It's all the same scene. <laughs> they, they just split it, spread like, it out. Yeah. You know what? We're losing people. Bring it back. <laughs> More werewolf <laughs> sex. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. And and I hate to ask this question because I'm probably putting more thought into it than the writer did. <laughs> but Okay, so when, when Sybil Danning's character, Stirba, is basically resurrected and uh, she, she, uh, she meets her new daughter <laughs> and she says, this, this woman's going to give us a lot of... Um, like a new breed of werewolves, like, like help repopulate the family. And then they start having sex. Well, I thought it was kind of like werewolves were kind of like an infection kind of thing. Like they bite you or whatever, but it, it implies that he's going to like impregnate her with werewolves. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I think that might've been part of the, part of the Christopher Lee thing at the beginning where they're saying, you know, werewolves are made, but these ones that have to be killed by titanium are generations old. So the idea is that there are these like, you know, legacy werewolves that are that are like bred to be stronger every generation or whatever. Because she's not really a werewolf either. She's doing witch stuff. You know, she's yeah, she's she never casting really does spells spell. and yeah. 
besides the sex scene where she's sitting in that like chair next to him and she's basically got on like something from Jim Henson's Creature Shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, to me, it's uh, uh, I've got uh, Sybil Denning in the Rob Halford outfit. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. She's just writhing around in, in uh, Judas Priest's attire. Right. Oh, I love the scene where the dude's in bed with the girl, the the hero and heroine of the of the movie, and dude's just cleaning his pistol while they're laying in bed. <laughs> oh yeah! Again, it's just like, what is going on here, man? And I, and I don't know. If, I don't know if it was the actor. I'm pretty sure it was because he wasn't a great actor, the red brown guy. But uh, like his character was very uh, very hot or cold, man. Like he'd be good to go in one scene and happy and go lucky. And then like five seconds later, he's just snapping and like screaming at the top of his lungs while shooting werewolves in the face. Or <laughs> It was an emotional time. He just lost his sister. And you gotta, oh, yeah. you gotta love, we were talking about mini commando a while ago, but little dude falls down and he, and he even sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's the reason I called him commando. Cause he goes, I lost my earplugs. <laughs> and I wanted, he really does. He does. And I wanted him to say, get to the chopper. Yep. <laughs> I've got in my notes here. His you head know, swelling that, up, and he's like, "It's not a tumor." <laughs> it's it, that's Hell straight me. out of that's straight out of Total Recall, too. Right, with, with is, the eyes yeah. bugging out. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think we might have found Arnold Schwarzenegger's missing uh, performance. <laughs> or, or, and hear me out on this: maybe the movie Twins with Dane DeVito was a biopic, ah. and this guy was his real twin. Maybe so. what? <laughs> Mind blown. I, I can't take it. <laughs> uh, this will fix it. <laughs> it gets yeah, us right back on track. Like five minutes. Hey, but uh, I do have a, uh, in my notes of the dwarf. I, I, I have a killed so nice they did it twice. <laughs> yeah, first, he, his eyes explode, and then like later, he shows up as a uh, possessed. He's, he's not really a werewolf. He's just kind of like a possessed. Creature, right. right? Right. And they throw him out the window, and of course, in every <laughs> in every window in an '80s movie and a, a horror movie near the end, there's, there's like a wrought iron fence out out right. the, at the bottom. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to me, if you want to see where they spent the money for the budget of this movie, there's two things. One is paying that band for using the song so much. Two is uh, this wall of skulls. You know, they got the girl that's that she's got her strapped up outside. Yeah. And you look at all the walls. Oh, that is all, cool. It is pretty dang cool. I have to give them that. That that's. That's pretty awesome, but I guarantee you that's where the money went because <laughs> it didn't go into werewolf stuff for sure. Also, well, that's the first movie I've seen uh, Captain Kangaroo ever be in. That priest that's with them at the end looks just like Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't last very long. No? Well, of course, he gets probably the coolest death of all of them, though. <laughs> he gets to fight that rat thing. that uh, The thing that's, the thing that's like uh, the flopping rat. around on top of her staff. Right. Well, and, and doesn't it like... Doesn't it violate his mouth? Oh yeah, a lot like for a, a long period of time. Right. So here you go, people. If you if you want to watch the Howling Two, make sure you stop the the fast forwarding to see this this incubus, uh, you know, jump over across the room, with, flapping its wings, and violate this priest's mouth for a while. Because man, you're never going to see anything like it again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> Except maybe in uh, Fright Night Two. Hey, there's a part that's kind of like it in uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. There's a part in it too. It's in uh, Schindler's Fist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ming. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, 
get down to the three-on-three battle. You got your three main werewolves and your three main people, I guess, in the movie. Oh, at one hour and 15 minutes into this movie, you got to do a freeze frame. And I'm telling you, it's, I looked it up. It's one hour and 15 minutes. There's a, there's a frame. Uh, there's no explanation for it, but there's two old ladies wearing, like, Lone Ranger mask by the throne. <laughs> and then some dude is some kind of weird Danny DeVito jester-looking guy. No explanation. <laughs> Don't know why they're there. You got to stop it and look at it. I'll try to put a picture of it on the Facebook page. <laughs> it's just, you talking about scenes being out of place. This one's got it, man. I mean, it's and, the greatest moment of just going, yeah, I, I have no idea why they even, what's going on here. So, yeah. At one hour and 15 minutes, you got this scene. Every other scene in the movie is Sybil Danning ripping her shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> to this song. <laughs> yeah, her clothes in this movie are, are they're a lot like Devo's outfits. They just tear away, man. Like, just <laughs> tear away clothes. Although, I will say this. I did appreciate um, one of their creative decisions in this movie. The one where, um, you know, when she was an old woman before she sucks the life out of the, the young girl. Um, I'm really glad that they didn't put her in that, that uh, leather outfit during that scene. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Sybil Danning was able to kind of pull it off. But if that old woman had walked in there in that leather outfit, man. <laughs> I don't awesome. think I could have. I think I would have stopped the movie. <laughs> you know, the the way that the way this movie went, I'm I'm half surprised that they didn't just have Sybil Danning wearing that outfit and just do her face old, right? You know, so like everything else is just like it normally was, right? <laughs> <That'd> <laughs> awesome. But that out that that outfit though, man. Oh my god, it, it wasn't very practical. Like <laughs> it was it was almost like a sorceress or something, like something from He Man. Right. Like she had these giant boots that had these like kind of spiked things by the knees and the thighs. And then the whole front of it was open. I mean, right. it's yeah. like, why wear it's up? <laughs> oh, so at the end you get to the showdown with, uh, with Christopher Lee and, and Sybil Danning. And then you get all kinds of great rotoscoping right here, man. She's doing some like the emperor from star Wars kind of stuff going on, but it's more colorful. And then he gets this red glow around him and she pulls him up close, which is a pretty decent effect. He comes floating across the floor over to her. It looks pretty good. Then he just he shanks her, and uh, then they just uh, for no reason just they both set on fire and burn up. And then, but she forgot something. Oh, you forgot sorry. you forgot about all of their mental dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. have a whole conversation in their th- in their brains. Yeah, it's it's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> like I was so confused. I'm like, why are they not just talking? Oh, like why is it all overdub? Uh, it's to, to point out their power. You know their right. their mental powers. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. The, so, yeah, they pale, burn up, and then you get one more shot of the rat bat thing, and you actually you see the, the head of the, the Captain Kangaroo priest laying there on the ground, and the rat bat thing's mouth or head comes out of that dude's mouth, and that's kind of a creepy little thing but there. Isn't it another it rat bat thing? Like the, the first rat bat thing went away, and that's the one that it impregnated into him? When it, that's, when a good, it, that's a good scenario. That could be possible. I think, Again, I, like, think, I think you're yeah. doing better than the writers did with that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that would actually be a better better idea than I think they put, you know, than the thought they put into it. Right. Oh, they were just like, hey, we have this rubber thing. Let's use it again. <laughs> you know, when, when she dies, though, when and Sturba and Christopher Lee uh, go down in flames, she the, the bat thing, when it comes back out of the mouth, it, it like shrieks in horror. Like it's like upset that she's dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like that. It's like, yeah, Mom. it was so weird because it's like I didn't I didn't assign emotion to that creature, but apparently they're giving an emotion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, it it's like salacious crumb. I think right. 
right. think the guy who uh, who did the review that I, that I watched some of actually called him salacious crumbs. I can't call that my own, but he was dead on. That thing That's looks just like him. Pretty dang close, man. Pretty close. All right, we got anything to say else to say about this incredible movie, folks? <laughs> I just I just say watch it. Just I mean, like I said, get some friends together. You're gonna laugh. And it's entertaining, even even though if you watched it by yourself, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not watching this. Together, it's very entertaining. Yes. I mean, I watched this movie how many times with Rick? How we many times did we watch this movie? Several times. Actually, we went out and purchased a copy of it so we could watch it over and over. At Media Play. Right. I, I like this movie, but like you said earlier, I like it for the reasons that you're not supposed to really enjoy a movie. Like, I like it because it is so bad. Right. It's, it's like on the level of troll two with better acting, but, but it's, it's funny. Like I think most of the budget, I mean, I think between the band and Christopher Lee, I think that's where their budget went in this movie. (laughs) And you kind of bring up a good point too, because I will not sit and watch any of the howling movies after this one. Cause to me, they're worse, you know? uh, Oh, the third one's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this one is more entertaining than anything that comes after it. And this is kind of where it stops with me. Uh, you won't hear me do much on marsupials or any of those other ones. This is kind of the stopping point for me on these. But I just I, this movie's fun. It's just eighty schlock, <laughs> for sure. I uh, <laughs> it, it I will say one thing about this compared to the first one is that the runtime for this one and the first one are almost identical. But this one seems longer when you're watching it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like you definitely want to watch it with other people, like you said. Like this is not a sit alone and <laughs> watch the howling too. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's give this thing a rating real quick. I'm going to give it uh, 666 Father Captain Kangaroos. Oh wow. That- <laughs> Father Captain Kangaroo. Well, I'm going to give it two humunculus demon bat rat things because there are, in the movie, two humunculus demon rat that things. <laughs> I, I'm going to give this um, what seemed like an entire week full of full moons and uh, 90, 99 Hershey Kiss um, uh, werewolf nipples. <laughs> All right. And as always, Brian Blessed. What do you think about this clunker? Give me the remote control. Oh, he don't like it very much. Oh, what a shame. All right, we'll be right back. Do you have a werewolf problem? Are those unholy creatures roaming about in your basement or attic? Silver weapons are not powerful enough to fix your problem? Consider this solution. Titanium. Why are the werewolves not dispatched by your slaying methods? They are outdated. Titanium is the only metal to slay most pesky werewolves and keep them dead. 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 At the Titan Armory, we have all your conventional weaponry and much of unconventional variety in titanium. That will kill the werewolves for good. Visit the Titan Armory online at www.howling2palepalelightofthemoon.com Solve your lycanthrope problem today. Has this ever happened to you? This party's boring. Yeah, if they don't play some better music, I'm out of here. Now you can go from zero to hero. 
with the Howling 2 soundtrack. Full of songs you'll never forget, like this one. Yes, your parties will always be a hit when you crank out the classic songs. Remember this one? And you always get that sentimental feeling when you play this classic. So don't delay. With 16 easy payments of $2.99, you can have the Howling 2 soundtrack. Thanks, Thanks, this is the best party ever. Hey, man, is that the Howling 2 soundtrack? Yes, it is. Well, turn it up, man. WMBC 66 on your dial. Want to tell you about a new movie I got coming out called The Howlin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. You know what I'm talking about, baby. Starring some of my best friends, Lon Cheney Jr., Michael J. Fox, Warren Zevon, Robert Picardo, Jack Nicholson, David Naughton, Michael Landon, even Jason Bateman got a little bit in this one, baby. Special soundtrack by the man himself, Mr. Howlin' Wood. <laughs> How? That's right, check out Howlin' 2 Electric Boogaloo coming to theater soon. The lifetime story of the Wolfman Jack. Also on Bantam Paperbacks. This is Channel 2 News, and we take you live to Danny Bennett on his Christmas in July story. Take it away, Danny. I'm here in. Wait, did I hear correctly? Is there a fight going on in the newsroom? That seems like news. Back to you, Rick. Uh, a little busy here, Danny. Uh, werewolves and all... Back, uh, back to you. Werewolves? Wait, wait, are you serious? Give our viewers the details. In the studio, it's Rick Morton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get out of the way! Uh, yeah, there, there's werewolves. Story to limit. Are you using silver bullets? Fresh out, dipstick. Hey, hey, try titanium. That's what Christopher Lee said. Did the titanium work? Yep. This is Rick Morgan. And Danny Bennett for Channel 2 News. Signing off. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, earlier today, you saw where I posted out there to for you guys to uh, just give us a shout-out if you had any questions or quotes or anything. So... We're going to take some time, do something a little bit different here. We're going to get Johnny included on this as well. And uh, just go through these questions and uh, <laughs> see what kind of hash we can make out of it. Let's start off with uh, our buddy Ryan Lewis uh, from Grave Shift Radio. What is your favorite werewolf film? Um, well, it's going to have to be a toss-up between Silver Bullet and Dog Soldiers. Wow. I mean, it, Dog Soldiers is really a, a fun horror movie and you know, kind of like a, in the, the vein of maybe like predator two. Right. You know, um, and you know, silver bullet, you know, it's got Gary Busey. 
Can't go wrong there. <laughs> what about you, Johnny? I'd probably say the Howling or Ginger Snaps. Just I like Ginger Snaps because of the the different take they went with it. Like right. to me, it was it was it was cool. It was like an after school special with werewolves. <laughs> I, I have to go with American Werewolf, man. To me, that just uh, it was so different. I, I think at the time. It wasn't what I expected. I expected, you know, werewolves to look like the one in the howling. It's amazing, man. It, it, it's really well done. I just really enjoy that. And of course, I've got Landis type humor. So uh, I can't believe nobody nobody brought up Wolf Cop. Wolf Cop's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, Michael Cook sends us a message and asks, "Boxers are brief." <laughs> well, I, I wear just, uh, Boxer briefs. Boxer briefs. So, kind of in between. Yeah, like the, the long the long legged briefs there then. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> uh, I'm the same on that one. Yeah, yeah. It didn't say anything about G string, so I'm a little disappointed <laughs> there. So uh I'm often go. disappointed by your G string. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Esposito. Ask, what's the scariest scariest death in a Jaws movie? How about Jaws 4 just being the death of Jaws, period? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about the scariest death in a Jaws movie, but I know the scariest scene in a Jaws movie is the one where, uh, for me, is the, the first one where the, the guys are out there um, on the dock at night and they, they get oh, yeah. pulled into the water. Yeah. That, that always freaks me out. Yeah, and it still works. Uh, my niece came over a while back, and I was showing her jaws, and she was literally picking her feet up off off the floor and putting them up on the couch during that scene because <laughs> those guys trying to get out in time, you know. So it still has the power. Awesome. Uh, mine I actually brought up back in episode five, and we just did our top ten favorite movies or whatever. And uh, the scene where the guy's in the little dinghy boat, and he's trying to help those kids, and the shark comes up and knocks his boat over. And it's the first time you actually see the oh, scale yeah. of the shark, and he and he bites that. You can see him underwater coming at the guy. That's but it's a sideways view, and uh, wow! I mean, that scene still just blows my mind when I see it. And of course, that's the it's the scene where he bites the leg off and it floats to the bottom, and you know. But uh, that scene just is incredible to me. So I don't know if I'd call it the scariest, but just as far as just movie making, period, that blows my mind. Yeah, all right, so Lewis Gossett Jr. Jaws three, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. That's the death. That's it. <laughs> Matthew Tangen says, "Who would win in a fight, Beastmaster or Deathstalker?" Beastmaster. Next question. Yeah, I, think you, I think you have to go Beastmaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think you're right. But if uh, I think if James Evans from uh, Good Times, the character he played in Beastmaster, if he had to fight any of them, he'd win. Yeah, well, he's on Beastmaster's side, so boom. Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. Beastmaster. He also asked, favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liner. Mine's the one when he says, I've lost my earplugs. <laughs> uh, mine, mine is where he says, don't you know the Dory Dustbo system? Yes. Damn yes. <laughs> oh, man, UHF so great. <laughs> it's the best. Man. We live our life by UHF. <laughs> I honestly don't think I have a favorite Arnold quote. Well, you can just do one that isn't Arnold like we just did. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was that's probably my favorite one as well. Welcome to primetime, bitch. 
I love when Arnold came to the TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, I remember that. He's he was on a roll. He brought he got another question. Matthew said, "If you could see any team up in a movie, what would you like to see?" Easy, Bruce Campbell, Reggie Bannister, uh, like yeah. as the, as their characters from the movies. I, it just says any any team up. Yeah, sure. Oh, you know what? Uh, I may have to change that. I may have to say Ash, Bruce Campbell, and Jack Burton. Jack Burton. Uh, you know. I, I would say that that I would need to see a team up in a movie, but I've already seen it because it's the Eliminators. <laughs> you got the Swamp Rat, you got the Blonde Chick, you got the Cyborg, and you got the Ninja. Yeah, what, what else you need, you need, man? Heck yeah! I want to see a movie where it's like a uh, like a, a fun <laughs> a fun horror buddy cop movie where it's Keith David and Carrie Ells. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know like. It's kind of like Lethal Weapon, but one's British and the other one is uh, Keith David. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Keith David, That's man. That's amazing. Okay, Britt Collins. He's, he asked, uh, favorite director between Richard Donner, John Hughes, and Sam Raimi? I got to go John Hughes on this. Sam Raimi. And I'm a big Donner fan, but I have to go Raimi as well. Uh, John Hughes. I mean, all three of those are great. They're totally different. That's, That's not fair, Britt. They're all different genres, man. Look, Brett, it's Sam Raimi. Just deal with it. Yeah. It's, we're done. Sam yeah. Raimi. It's a trick because he's he's Evil Dead freak. So he's which just one of them made? Say. Which one of them made a movie about Oz? Sam Raimi. Which one of them made a Spider-Man movie? Sam Raimi. Which one of them made a movie about a bunch of kids whining on Saturday? John Hughes. <laughs> John Hughes. I don't think you were really you weren't really selling yourself on Raimi once you started mentioning his bad movies. <laughs> Like like Darkman? Darkman's great. Oh, I love Darkman. <laughs> Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead, man. He did that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he, he did uh, that one. Uh, the, the one about the quick draw competition on the West, it's got Russell Crowe, Jerry Sher- Sher- Stone. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's Sam Raimi. Believe it or not, that's, no our, idea. that's our next episode we're doing, is that movie. Yeah. Plus, uh, and also movie special I really like guests. Is, Go ahead, is it Sharon Stone? What about Sharon Stone? Is, is she the special guest? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have her on. Yeah, that's going to happen. I had her in the cab once. <laughs> Which is a, you know, it's a Who's That Girl reference. Right. Because right. that's, right. that's a great movie. Who's That Girl is a great movie. Sure. I guess that and Last Action Hero. That's a good combination. <laughs> Lee Russell. He's got a cool dude. He's got an awesome avatar here. It's awesome. It's Django. The real Django. Do you feel like Fred Decker of Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad fame, still has anything left in the tank. Then he says, RoboCop 3 sort of sank his directing career, it seems, but he apparently involved in the new Shane Black Predator film. Oh, he wrote that. He wrote the new Predator. Yeah. I personally feel like this guy is one of the unsung heroes of cult film in the last 30 years and has a lot of overlooked potential. Slither managed to ape Night of the Creeps formula to great effect, even though the film was not a success in the box office. feel like we need another Monster Squad type film. No, he's got nothing left in the tank. He's done. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a different time. Uh, I don't know if, if, if the appeal would be the same, even if he did put out something. Could he create something pretty awesome? Probably. But will it be accepted because he's the guy that did Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad? Probably not. But everybody I know, I don't know anybody that hates either one of those movies. They like them both. So well, who knows? Well, let's look at it this way, though, too. Okay, so so you got Night of the Creeps, 
and you got Monster Squad, and they were both original concepts from, like I said, a different time. He tried his hand at, at a sequel with RoboCop, right? Well, it didn't work because he's not doing sequel. I mean, it's it's been beaten down. They they can't redo it. Predator, man, if you're trying to do a reboot of Predator, I, I would say Pre- Alien versus Predator Requiem's the best follow up to Predator since Predator Two. You don't really need to to reboot it. You just need to you know take the the mythology and just build your own story. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. No. Everybody got serious all of a sudden. Johnny <laughs> fell asleep. He's like, yeah, whatever. Predator. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to see what he does with Predator. Yeah. I mean, it, who knows? You know, it may work. So. Is it an adult film? <laughs> oh, I think. Well, let's see what he does with Predator. <laughs> And I say your window was open, so. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Boo. Sexy time. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, Kendall Stevens, our buddy Kendall, says, why is cold cold pizza so dang good? Because you're hungry, man. Right. I've always heard sex was like pizza. When it's hot, it's good. When it's cold, it's still pretty good. Johnny. I think I I I prefer uh, cold pizza. I don't think I I want cold sex, though. (laughs) Hey, when times are hard, you take what you can get. Just asking an Eskimo. All right, next question. Misty Marchant sends in, why does KFC in England not have biscuits of the extra crispy option? Because huh? it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's, yeah, not I would say be, it's not meant to be in England. Because biscuits in England are cookies, and you know, so you can't have that. What is she talking about, the um, extra crispy biscuits? I've never seen those. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I never have either. Come to think of it, and then <laughs> I think yeah. she may be making shit, stuff up at this point. <laughs> Good news, Misty. We don't have them either. <laughs> they do have extra crispy on the chicken, just not the biscuits. Hey, Kendall Stevens says this and points it back up at it. Yeah, because so well, he, he's like, yeah, that's that's a good question. So, okay, Kendall, I need you to answer Misty's question because we're unfamiliar with the crispy biscuits. Go. <laughs> Uh, Joe Parker, what's the one flick that makes you cry anytime you see it? Any genre? You know, a fiction movie has never really done that to me. I mean, I mean, Big Fish got me teared up at the end, but man, I'll tell you what, uh, Dear Zachary, the documentary, had me bawling like a little kid. Oh, have you seen that? Oh, no. And that'll ruin that'll ruin your day. Good to know. It's a uh, it's streaming on Netflix. If you do want to ruin your day, though, it's a it's an excellent documentary. It's just it's just it's a it's a ride. It's like making a killer, right? Is that the... Yeah, kind of. Um, and that can ruin my day, man. I was mad as hell after watching those. Oh, oh yeah. Th- this one, um, I mean, honestly, people told me that. Like, oh, you're going to cry watching? I was like, no, I'm fine. I watch documentaries all the time. And right. I'm sitting there on the, I'm sitting there two hours or an hour and a half into it, sobbing on the couch. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it, like, it guts you, man, <laughs> that movie. Oh, you know the answer to my question, and or this, this question for me. But I'll tell you it again. Groundhog Day. I want to. <laughs> Every time I watch Groundhog Day, I, I cry. And I'll tell you why. I mean, like, people are, well, Groundhog Day, it's when the old man dies no matter what he does. Every day, he goes back and tries to save that old man. You know, he tries to feed him. He tries to take him to the hospital every day. And, you know, they finally say it's just some people's time, you know. And he's like, not today, right? Every time, I just start bawling. Wow. Of course, I, I cry a lot. I, I can, uh, I mean, of course, howling, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, 
I can honestly say that uh, I've never had a film make me cry. I've had some heavy emotions. You know, Schindler's List, obviously, was, you know, kind of rough. You know, just made you want to never say anything bad about anybody again. But uh, <laughs> this is coming from the same guy who said Schindler's Fist earlier. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn> me. <laughs> But uh, uh, you know, I try to stay lighthearted, man. I, I try to avoid things that would make me upset. Uh, but you know what? You, when you brought up Big Fish, it didn't make me cry, but it really made me a, a, appreciate it because the movie reminded me of my grandfather because it was kind of the same ordeal. Of course, it was blown way out of proportion with the movie, but he was the same kind of guy that at his funeral, people would come up and they all had these stories of things that he had done. And uh, it just really hit home, you know, but uh, it, it still didn't affect me that way uh, and well, I, don't, I don't think i'm a cold-hearted person i've just i've just never had a film that made me drop some tears so he's a cold-hearted snake <laughs> look into his eyes on this album i'm gonna I would, prove i, I can be... really sing <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know i would i would really like to hear your thoughts on dear zachary just uh, i'll just, take it just, out i mean I, I say do it when you're feeling pretty happy and stuff because if you go into it low you're gonna come out lower oh man <laughs> you'll you'll walk out of that movie singing in the pale moonlight, <laughs> in the pale moonlight. That's awesome. Hey, hold on, hold on. I think I can do that. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> what, what was that? It's the song. I just slowed it down. <laughs> you um, slowed yourself down. Um, ooh, hey, well, I, I, I do remember you tearing up a little bit that time we were watching Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Vampire Killer, get it right. <laughs> Hey, it's it's a typo negative. <laughs> Glenn Danzig? <laughs> Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> <Flash> dance? <laughs> See some werewolf boobs <laughs> in the pale, pale light of the moon. Howling. <laughs> oh, crap. All right, next question. You got it. It's oh. Mark. Yeah, Mark Allison, our our dear dear friend, says, "How many bears could Bear Grylls grill? If Bear Grylls could grill bears, I'm gonna say uh, one." All I can think of is is him him sitting in a police interrogation room, like <laughs> like 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 just like angrily interviewing a bunch of like butch gay men. <laughs> <laughs> Bear Grylls grills bears. Your answer is the best. I would I would just say three because that's what the owl said how long it took to get the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop. So I just figure you won't need to grill more than one bear, but yeah, you know, it depends on how much information you need. Okay, we got one more. <laughs> so we got one more from Gary Hill. Send us a message. Hey Ricky, hey Danny, hey Johnny Krug. This is Gary from the Sin Beef Podcast and the Two Drink Member Commentaries. Just uh saying this little voice message. Uh he asked for some input on your show and what you guys talking about? Well, first off, what you guys talking about is uh, Howling 1 and 2. Uh, it's no big secret that I don't love the first Howling film. I discussed it on a very early episode of The Beef with, I forget who, I, I'm really bad at this, but uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. I think it just takes a while for it to get going. I can't deny the effects of Rob Botin. They, they still look really good on screen today. But uh, I think a lot of stuff about the film turns me off, including your finale with your Monchichi D. Wallace werewolf. <laughs> uh, Howling 2, on the other hand, is uh, it's a lot more fun to me. And I'm one of those weird people who love Howling 2 way more than the first Howling. Uh, you got Christopher Lee in wild 80s clothes and with uh, those funky sunglasses on. You got yes. Sybil Danning in her booby montage towards the end. And she's a cheesy bad guy that only they can deliver. And uh, I just think it's a lot more fun. And you know, it's not like it's a great film film. It's just a fun film to watch for me. And I don't get the same feels from the first Howling as I do as The Howling 2. My sister is a werewolf. Uh, of course, you got Red Brown too. Can't, can't get enough of Red Brown. Can't get enough of Red Brown. He's a just a wonderful, Damn wonderful me. actor. <laughs> Over dramatic. Bring me that Jacona. Yeah, that guy. But uh, as far as the show goes, guys, you guys do a great job. You guys are a great addition to the the Legion feed, and we're happy to have you. I'm looking forward to having you guys on my show eventually. Whenever you guys can uh, grace with your presence, just pick a show and we'll do it. Uh. Have a good one, and talk to you guys soon. Bye. There you go. I didn't hear a question, so I'll just make one up. That's okay. I think he asked, what kind of T-shirt should I wear to work on Monday? And the answer is, you can wear anything you want because you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) No, but thanks for the input. uh, That's cool that you're listening. And I would love to be in on this this whole uh, Last Action Hero uh, Demolition Man thing you got going on. I just have too much life going on right now but i i do love those movies yeah. especially last action hero i necessarily don't so it may not be a good thing to have me on your show <laughs> i don't want to hear it big bane but yeah man we appreciate you listening and obviously we want to you know get you on the show as well and uh crank out some stuff he gave us some ideas earlier of something that uh, we could tackle and he comes on the show so looking forward to that too so appreciate the input bro well that was a lot of questions for the first time we ever had a q a so yeah, yeah I'm I, surprised. i'll call it a success yeah why not so that means we'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah. I attribute it directly to, to Johnny Krug's presence. Without People just want to know about the enigmatic and uh, and recently silent Johnny Krug. Right. <laughs> or recently silent, like on your show, or recently silent, like... Like you, you went, you know, w- weren't there rumors that, that you had passed away or something? Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> that was something that was really strange. Uh, someone had told me that not too long ago. It was about a year ago, probably, and... I, I was very, I was very weirded out by that. The way it was phrased too is like it was, man. Someone had told me you died, and I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said, you know, it's because Christopher Lee didn't come in and stab me with a uh, a titanium stake. Yeah, that, uh, I came back. You came back. I got better. <laughs> I got much better. I think I go for a walk. You're not fooling anyone. <laughs> the funny thing is, I mean, that rumor may have started though because there was this one time I actually, um, I had some. What are they called? Uh, like like blessed earplugs, and they fell out in the middle of a freaking uh, Miley Cyrus concert. me. <laughs> and so uh, it was. It was like being close to death. They came in like a wrecking ball. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show, man. We had a great time. Uh, again, we just want to thank Johnny for being on the show with us, man. We had a great time, and uh, appreciate you coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me on. This was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you back in when we find some more uh, trash to go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know this. This uh, I wish I had been more prepared for this episode, but I've got like, got a lot going on. That's not an excuse for putting out inferior quality product, though. Um, and right. I just wanted to, 
you know, make sure I let you know that I'm super glad you're here and I hope you come back when I can be more on the ball. And I hope that it didn't make the efforts of supper. You guys, you guys really carried the howling too. It was a, it was a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. No, like I, I, I look forward, look forward to coming back on. I thought, I thought uh, it was a fun episode. Uh, uh, the howling too. I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of, uh, I think basically Sturba carried that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and and and, John, and uh, Christopher Lee was trying to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, get off my back, uh, howling too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out. We'll talk to you later on. Say goodbye, right. Johnny. Peace. See y'all. <laughs> Well, I blew that no, on the crowd. We're, we're nut jobs today, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how I wanted to introduce our, our son of a... <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the questions. I'm trying to figure out where you started because I don't see the werewolf one, but I know it was on here. Don't you worry about it, fool. <laughs> Mr. T? Hey, hey, boy. Hey, boy. So I do believe in the howling. Uh, the first time you see the werewolf is teeth are shed by four inch things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>